but put your name on the jersey. You're somebody. What team are you going to be uh, captain of? What team are you going to succeed in? Who's going to come and see you? You have something that they want to see, that they want to hear. This is episode number 34 with Fortune 500 business leader, Dr. Charles Ray. Hey everyone, and welcome back to Nick Carrier's Best You Podcast. Today is going to be one of those days that will jumpstart your positivity, your motivation, and will allow you to move forward with applying principles that you learn in your life. Dr. Charles Redd is a nationally recognized Fortune 500 business leader, professor, speaker, and ministry founder. Having now over 30 years of experience in business and ministry, Dr. Charles has a profound approach to developing successful leaders. Today, Dr. Charles talks about the importance of surrounding yourself with positive-minded people who are able to fill gaps in your lives that you're not able to fill yourself. He talks about the power of continuing education. With over 30 years of experience, Dr. Charles knows he still doesn't have all the answers, so he wants to continue, in his own words, to make himself a slave to his gift and fully commit to being the best version of himself in this phase of his life. This is going to be a powerful one. Dr. Charles gives so much great career and leadership advice that I know will make an impact on you. Be sure to share this episode with your friends, nickcarrier.com slash podcast. And while you're listening to this episode, take a screenshot of it and post it on your Instagram stories and tag me at carrier underscore best you and let me know your favorite part. Dr. Charles's positivity and energy is a game changer and it will make you feel motivated. Now I challenge you to pick at least one thing out of this episode that you can begin to apply in your life, in your relationships or in your career. But for now, it's time. It's time to work on being our best self today with the one, the only, Dr. Charles Red. All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to Nick Carrier's Best You Podcast. I am super excited for today's interview. I have Dr. Charles Red with me here today. Uh, Dr. Charles Red, to give you guys a little bit of background, he is a nationally recognized Fortune 500 business leader, professor, speaker, and ministry founder. Uh, he has a really good track record of transforming underperforming sales teams at a number of different companies, uh, but the Hershey Company, PepsiCo, Frito-Lay, and then Coca-Cola, and uh, you're a faith-minded man as well. You're a big advocate uh, for Jesus Christ, and I'm uh, excited to dive into all those different areas um, that you specialize in and that you focus in in your everyday life. So I appreciate you uh, taking the time with me today, Dr. Charles. It is my pleasure to join you on this podcast, Nick, and I look forward to having a great conversation with you on today. Awesome. Well, very good. Well, basically, the way I want to start is I kind of want to go a little bit back into your background to give everybody else a little bit of context, but me as well, because I don't know exactly, I couldn't put all the pieces together. I want to kind of start with the timeline of your schooling, because that's what I was been able to find. So are you from Detroit? Are you from Michigan? Yes, I am. I'm born and raised in Detroit. I uh, attended school there uh, at Cass Tech uh, High School, which is uh, the best high school in Detroit. Okay. You have to apply to get into this school. Oh, wow. And, uh, I entered into a curriculum called Science and Engineering. I uh, figured that out. I have nothing to do with engineering right now. Right. But uh, I continued on after graduation from high school and went on to Western Michigan University in Kalamazoo, Michigan, which is halfway between Detroit and Chicago. Very cold there in the winter, a lot of snow coming from that Chicago and Michigan Lake. I, I finished my bachelor's in communications and minored in business administration. I uh, later went on to grad school at Central Michigan, which is about in the middle of the state of Michigan in Mount Pleasant. And uh, I finished my master's in management and supervision 
And then I took a little time off and uh, decided to uh, continue my education. And I attended and enrolled in Ashland Theological Seminary and picked up my master's in religious studies, waited some more. Several years later, uh, went back and obtained my uh, doctorate degree in uh, transformational leadership from Ashland Theological Seminary. All of this going on while working for Fortune 500 companies, so I was always working simultaneously and going to school, and I am a believer in continuous learning and growing. Yeah, I, I, I am as well, that's for sure. So it's it's cool because I think you know all of the higher education after high school um, are, is very applicable to what you do today, right? Interper- interpersonal communication, business uh, administration, management, supervision, that sort of stuff. And then the going to the theological seminary and learning about religious studies, getting your master's and your doctor and uh, transformational leadership. Or exactly, yeah. I forget the exact name of it. Um, but basically what I want to ask is when did the the vision or when did the vision of what you want what you want your career to look like start to become a little bit more clear to you? Because I did hear in a past thing that you originally wanted to be a school teacher. That's um, right. And, and so when did, this, when did this career vision start to become a little bit more clear for you? Well, you know, teachers run in my family, uh, a lot of teachers, and I thought I would be a teacher, a matter of fact, a history teacher. And uh, I remember as a kid, about nine and 10 years old, I would invite the families uh, of my friends over to my house and we would hold school uh, in my basement (laughs) and I would be the teacher and I would take my allowance money and go to the store and buy candy bars and reward uh, the kids uh, for doing well in my classroom. Now, I was just nine years old and my students were probably eight and seven years old. But uh, I knew right then and there that I wanted to make a difference in people's lives and teaching and inspiring people to continue to grow on. And I took that on in the college, uh, being a resident advisor, having to do that in a leadership role, uh, participated in my fraternity as in a leadership role as well. So I've always been in leadership and I felt that, you know, we can always get better. And that's been my aspiration is to share the wealth of insights and knowledge. I still don't know it all. And I surround myself with people where I continuously learn and grow. So it comes down to um, selling. That's what I do. I sell and I manage a team on the corporate side. But then also I sell and encourage on the other side in community and encouraging people that they can become who they choose to become and that they're all, and we speaking together, that we're like diamonds in the rough. And uh, we just need to be polished up a little bit and and put ourselves out there and make a difference in this world. Right. So what I'm hearing is basically you knew you wanted to be a teacher and you knew you wanted to educate people, um, but it didn't end up being in the educational system. It just ended up being in these other fields and these other areas that you began, began to be a little bit more passionate about. Is that about right? Yes, Exactly. When I think back, I did end up teaching, you know, I had intended to be a history teacher and uh, I didn't get a chance to do that. I entered corporate America Mm -hmm. and began a sales career, entered into management. And then I uh, had an opportunity to teach at the uh, Oakland Community College there in Michigan and also uh, Clark Atlanta University uh, in Atlanta on a part-time basis and had an opportunity to teach the course of introduction to salesmanship, introduction to marketing, 
And that was my passion. And the, the students were juniors and seniors, which I liked because I knew they were there uh, to get uh, to uh, learn and to get ready to graduate. And it was just a fun experience. Mm-hmm. So you had a lot of experiences early on in terms of, you know, teaching and things like that. What are some steps or some things that you did at an early age that you really feel helped benefit you to get where you are today? Like, what did you consistently do at a young age that helped you to get where you are today? I think the key, matter of fact, I know the key was it was surrounding myself with positive people. Uh, I, I have a best friend. We've known each other over 40 years. And um, he was a, came from a great family. Uh, his mom would uh, invite us in. Uh, to the home after we come up outside, come from outside playing, and uh, she would give us life lessons. She too was a teacher, and uh, we thought we were getting uh, ice cream and cake and food, and and we get go home. But no, she kept us at the table, and she asked us uh, probing questions, and she encouraged us, and we were like her students in her class. But she didn't make it seem that way, but that's what it turned out to be. And her children, she had two children, one of them, uh, best friends of mine. He was just in a pure example of, uh, of a good student, a good friend, a person who stayed out of trouble. And we continued on from elementary school, uh, the junior high to uh, high school, the college roommates. And, and he was a great example. What I got out of it was that we could go to the party, so to speak, but we, we knew the importance of coming back to the dorm and getting the exam, getting pre- prepared for the exam, and then four years later graduating. I shared that same thing with my daughter, who also uh, is an alumni of your school, University of Georgia, and uh, she took that same principle uh, of getting around positive people, encouraging people, and uh, holding people accountable each other. And that has been the difference. I think that set me off on the right track because I wasn't always the brightest student. I was one of those students that was uh, uh, very hyper and uh, I would get my work done and then bother the other kids. And and uh, that was the way it was. But I, I settled down later on in life and took things a little bit more seriously. Right. Well, now you have a little bit more direction on where to channel that energy, I guess. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Well, cool. Um, so you've already, you know, you pe- preached the importance of surrounding yourself around great people. And it sounds like you're both your friend and his mom were pretty good kind of mentors in a sense and taught you maybe some good lessons that you're currently using. What are, what are some of those lessons? Maybe what's the most important lesson that she, your friend's mom, taught you during some of those ice cream sit downs that, that she would throw life lessons at you guys? Yeah, you know, when I think about it, I, I must say that uh, during that time of uh, growing up, we were raised by a village. Uh, that means that uh, neighbors were like our godparents because uh, they watched after us. Uh, going outside, we would leave uh, home and uh, hang out all day, but we had lunch at somebody's house. We'd come around and have dinner at another place. House. So it was a combination of people who had a vested interest in the community, a vested interest in the uh, kids that were growing up, and it paid off. It made a difference. When I think about transferring those skill sets and what I got out of those learnings was that just be the best self as you have on your banner, the best you. Be the best you you can and be that example and always be optimistic always uh, have uh, your mindset on your dreams and to go out and accomplish them. The sky is the limit, as we would say. And I think that was very helpful. 
in the fact that we were encouraged. And that's what I like to do is encourage people and inspire people because where you're sitting today does not mean that's where you're going to be tomorrow or the rest of the way from earth to heaven. And along the journey, it was instilled in us that if we could help someone and that would make a difference in this world that we live. And I carried that same principle over into the corporate world. And really, there's two things that I think about when I think about what I do in corporate America. And that is uh, drive for results, because that's what we do. We sell products and we are there to grow uh, sales and to expand our share and to be profitable. But then the other side of that, too, that's so important is that the people making others around us better. And that is so key in life is that what is it that I can do uh, to deposit in uh, the person that I encounter? And I understand this, too, that in those connections with friends, there's something in you that I need and there's something in me that you need. And the two come together and we hear the expression that iron sharpens iron. And that's really the, the way of life as we go along the journey the people that we encounter, there should be an exchange and it should be in a positive exchange because not everyone has it all, not everyone knows it all, but when you can bring two people together and bring their experiences, their talents, their gifts and intertwine them together, it makes for a better relationship and it makes for a better way to impact the community and impact the workplace and for the world, it impacts that as well. I think that's so important. I love that because Actually, the reason that I was inspired to create this podcast is simply from one quote from Ralph Waldo Emerson, which touches exactly on what you just said. And it reads like this, every man is in some way my superior and in that I can learn of him. If you always have the curiosity or the wherewithal to believe that somebody else it has something that you could benefit from and that you could learn from, then you're so much more present in the moment and in the conversation and then vice versa. Like, yeah. you, you should be able to give like your experiences to other people to, to benefit them and to better them. And I just think that's a really, I think that's a very actionable thing that people can start working on is being around more positive people. Like you said, you learn that lesson from them and now you go and you're very mindful about the people that you hire and yes. the people that you have in your inner circle um, to make sure that they're lifting you up and vice versa. So I think that's really cool. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's a couple of uh, expressions that I picked up along the way uh, and uh, it, it reads like this, never regret a day in your life. Good days give happiness. Bad days give experience. Worst days give lessons and best days give memories. And that's what really this journey is all about in the ups and downs and the valleys and mountaintops experiences. But at the end, there's something in you. There's something in me we must share with the world. And it's called purpose with a vision. I love it. Well, um, I'm always very interested in where, why people do certain things in their life, like why they're passionate about certain things. So you got your uh, bachelor's and your master's and basically in business type stuff, right? Interpersonal communication, business administration, management supervision. Why go back to school and do religious studies? I think a lot of people are religious and practice their faith, but I think it's to another level when you really want to be super educated in it. So why go back and do religious studies? Well, you know, when I really think about it, uh, I was always involved in the church community as a kid. Uh, and even though I went away to school to pursue the professional side of it and working for corporate America, there was still deposited in me the level of faith in uh, the God we serve. 
I am a born again Christian, and I just felt that you know in my life uh, I'm, I'm not perfect, but at the same time. I continue to strive to be better and to make a positive imprint uh, on the lives of others and to be quite honest and transparent. I think that's the key uh, in today is that when we look at religion, uh, we think in terms of people being perfect and or people looking down their nose at others that perhaps missed the mark. But in actuality, we all have missed the mark, but we're grateful and thankful that we do have a savior uh, someone who has uh, paid the cost and paid the price that we too can live. And so when we are charged to let our light shine and to be salts of the earth, that inspired me is to to be there with people and always having a heart with folks. And I learned that from my mom. My mom uh, was a preacher's kid uh, and she was a giver and she would take the resources that she would have and invite the community in and feed them. Uh, and have a great time and celebrating. I didn't quite understand as a kid because I was a person on the cleanup committee before and the cleanup committee afterwards. And, and a lot of these people I didn't know, but she took them in and they had those joyous experience. She's gone on to be with the Lord. And uh, I realized today that that was deposited in me and that that always is a pleasure of mine to share the experiences and to fellowship with people. So when I think about faith, when you think about the golden rule, you know, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. That's really so important uh, that that I want to be treated a certain way and people deserve to be treated a certain way. And if we exchange in that way of exchanging, then we're going to get along. The world's going to get along better and we're going to love on each other more. And that's so important. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I think that really is. I want to, I want to kind of stay on this topic um, because one thing that you, you know, you say in your, in your bio is that you have the good or you have the perfect balance of faith in the, in the corporate setting, right? In the corporate workplace. So tell me a little bit more about what that means and, and how you keep that balance. Well, you know, you don't go into the workplace uh, just um, really shouting out a whole lot of religious uh, quotations and, uh, trying to get people to buy in on your particular religion because there are people of different faith that are involved in the workplace. And what I do is try to be a good example. And when I say a good example is that I, I let my faith uh, come forth in my optimism and my positive leadership. And when challenges or negative experiences come, I try to always take the high road or look at what we can do. You know, we're, we're about solutions and finding solutions. And that's what we, we bring the talent together uh, and we work together because we're still gonna need the diversity of talent and experiences. And so when, when we hear uh, in the word of God, let this little light of mine shine, when we hear that, we simply are saying, it simply means that let your actions uh, speak louder than your words and your actions should align uh, with brotherhood, sisterhood, uh, love for each other, caring for each other, uh, and being there for people. And that is the difference. And what happens, uh, Nick, and you know this, is that when you uh, act that way and it's genuine, then people are drawn to you. And then as they are drawn to you, they have questions. And then you are able to share your faith and they have a choice. They can either accept it or they can wait or they could reject it. 
but at least you didn't go beat them over the head with the word of God. You lived it and you allowed them to ask you questions and then you have a right to share with them your personal testimony. So the word of God and the personal testimony coming together, it makes all the difference. You know, the thing about it, people can see a real person or a phony person right. and they know the difference. The world knows the difference. The, 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 the child of God knows the difference. And when you're real, it is an opportunity where people says, no, there's something real about this person. What they say and what they do, it lines up. And then what people like, too, is when you make a mistake, you own it and people respect you for it. When you when you fall in short of being perfect and you call it out, you, they respect you. And, and that's the difference versus the opposite of finding some fault in someone else and not looking within the mirror and looking at yourself. People see that as being a hypocrite, and and that's not what we're about. It's really about loving and being real and transparent. I like that, because like you said, it's all about being the model of it instead of just throwing it in people's faces, taking ownership and taking responsibility um, and those sorts of things. I want to kind of go back a little bit to, to earlier in your career. You know, you talked about how surrounding yourself with positive people and the right people to lift you up was a huge thing to get you to where you are now. But do you, do you remember maybe think of a particular choice that you made that was maybe one of the most important decisions that you ever made, but you didn't really realize the significance of it at the time? Hmm, that's a good question. Who, you know, I think I made the decision when I think about it now is that, you know, it's one thing to uh, continuously hang around positive people, but you're going to run into negative people and you're going to run into naysayers. And I think the exchange for me, instead of avoiding them, I took on uh, two things. One, uh, becoming a servant leader. And then two, loving the hell out of people that literally and that makes all the difference in changing mindsets is no matter what they say i'm going to still be a servant leader and i'm still going to love them and love the hell out of them gotcha so basically just no i like it i like it changing your mindsets toward towards the people that you're around because there are certain people in our lives that you can't necessarily you're not going to necessarily block out completely, right? No, you just have no. to be able to kind of change your mindset towards them, I think. So I think that's, that's, a, right. that's a huge exactly. learning case. Exactly. Um, so to transition a little bit more into like the the raw business side of things, I guess, um, for lack of better words, you do a lot of transforming underperforming sales teams, right? You go in there, you do trainings, you do teachings, you do lessons to help people increase their sales. And you've done a lot of that over the, over the past years. Is there kind of a common theme or common thing that, underperforming sales teams are all doing like what are they is there like a thing that they're all doing wrong that you that you've seen a commonality amongst a lot of them yeah i think it's purpose and vision and so when a new leader comes in and deals with an underperforming team they must first listen to the team make an assessment and identify what the needs are and then as you identify the needs it's just like a, a baseball team putting nine people on the diamond and determine who's going to play what position and once you have identified their strengths, then you can put them in a place. And like Vince Lombardi would say, hey, look, it's just like a football. This is basic. We're going to go back to some blocking and tackling kind of things. So you keep it simple and you start building momentum when you start looking at the things that are most important. 
Lou Holtz said, WIN. What does WIN mean? That acronym W-I-N. What's important now? And what's important now is what's going to get the ball going in the right direction or, or the automobile going in the right direction down the highway. And that is you don't start off with great big old things, but you think in terms of, okay, how do we take the best of the best and how do we uh, form it to the place of making it simple? And then how do we do that in keeping people accountable? And so a lot of times you have to track, you have to rank, and you have to uh, post uh, things to keep people focused. Because it's like playing the game of basketball. You're running up and down the court and someone all of a sudden unplugged the scoreboard and everybody forgot what the score is. And so people become complacent. They don't get back on defense. Uh, they don't know what the score is. And so people can run into situations where they can get injured because they're not focused in on the game. But when people know where they're going, how they're getting there, and what the end game is, then as a leader, that is our job to employ those and put people into winning positions and to encourage one another. As I've said, you cannot expect to get all from the one leader. So you're going to have to develop people in the sense that there's something that they can contribute to the overall team. And once you identify that, it's like being a scout, a scout who goes out and scouts for talent to, to, to bring to get signed up on a team. They're looking for those skill sets. In baseball, they're looking whether they can hit, whether they can run, whether they can catch, all of those different attributes. And so you're looking for those attributes in terms of starting up a team in a positive way. Uh, do they have good planning skills? Do they Can they multitask? Uh, are these people, do they take self-initiative? Do they have the can-do attitude? And so all of these different attributes you're looking for in these individuals. And then you're utilizing those people that are on the team as, as, as some of them step up in leadership. They, too, become assistant coaches. And they help carry the message out uh, to the rest of the team. So it's just like being a point guard on a basketball team. The point guard is a person who can score, uh, a person who can set up uh, people for success, a person who could get into the uh, film room uh, with the head coach, review the game film, uh, come up with plays together. So they're the coach on the field. So underperforming teams, as you develop talent and you have people that are uh, making strides, then you utilize their strengths and to encourage the others on the team as well. And then it becomes more and more cohesive and a more solid group of people and everyone holding each other accountable in reaching the overall goals and objectives that you've set. Mm. I think that's key. Gotcha. Yeah. There, so there's a lot there. I think what basically what I'm hearing is that boil it down. Don't make it too complex. Make it simple. Have a specific purpose, specific vision. Um, but I also think that both in our personal lives and probably for, for businesses, it's super hard to narrow it down. Like, what is this? What, what is my one purpose? What is my one vision? Because I think businesses have a lot of goals. P people in their personal lives have a lot of things that they want to do, a lot of things that they want to accomplish. So what are some things that businesses and people can do in their personal lives to help narrow it down to really, in your terms or in Lou Holtz's terms, figure out what is important now? Well, when you can look at it from a personal perspective, and I can give you this perspective from a business side as well, from a personal perspective, uh, you know, I often find in career fairs, a matter of fact, I've had an opportunity to be at several career fairs at UGA recruiting students for my company. And uh, you'll be amazed at how many students still have not quite figured out what it is that they uh, want to do, but 
They spent four years and a lot of money uh, to obtain that degree. So sometimes I come from around the table and I have a one-on-one -on -one conversation and I, and I say to the student, I says, look, you know, you, you're still trying to figure it out. We're here at this career fair. Uh, hundreds of companies are here. Uh, not hundreds, but uh, 150 companies or so are here, and they're looking for the best of the best. You've got to know what you want, so let me help you. If every profession, whether it's a doctor, lawyer, fireman, teacher, uh, whatever that profession is, they all pay $10 an hour. That's just what the, what the going rate is. When you graduate, you're going to go into a career, they pay $10 an hour. Which one will you choose? There lies the purpose for your life because you've taken away the salary. Oh, I want to make $200,000 being a so-and-so. Uh, but you, when you take that off and everything pays the same, then the gravitation to something that's near and dear and they hardly gravitate to. And that's the uh, impression that you want them to see that, look, maybe I got the degree in X, Y, Z, but I understand that I really have a passion for something else. And go after your passion. We've hired people that have degrees in other uh, majors, doesn't kind of align with the sales and marketing side of it, but they made up their mind that they, look, this is what I want to do. I want to get in front of people. I want to express uh, uh, my ideals. I want to share. So they, they come in and they be successful. Now, from a professional side of it, it is so important to understand at the end of the year, what did we all sign up for? And whatever that is, that's the starting point, because that's what we're going to be evaluated on. We could be doing a good thing, but are we necessarily doing the right thing? And so in leadership, we've got to understand what are the right things that are going to move the needle. It comes back to that 80-20 rule. You know, the 20 percent is, is what we need to focus in on, because that's going to be at the end of the day uh, where we're going to be judged upon. And so when you have that type of uh, mindset with what's important now and the 20% of what's going to drive the needle and what's going to get us to the finish line, then you start breaking it down into components, small components, because you can't eat the elephant in one large bite. You're going to have to break it down into pieces, like putting together a puzzle. And then you will see and you'll help the people to see the progression and that what you have left to do and then everyone gets uh, excited and they rally around what's left to do. And you begin to get teamwork and you begin to get uh, an operation that's working in a oneness where everyone is looking out for each other. Right. So it sounds like basically looking down the road, like what outcome do you actually want? <clears throat> like, and from a, <clears throat> excuse me, from a business perspective, thinking like really what outcome do we want? Do we actually need? And then really focusing and focusing in on the few things that are actually going to help you move the needle every single day. Just being yes. Well, focused. when you think about that, Nick, you know, it comes down to this. Uh, I'm in the business of sales and marketing. And uh, the founder of our company said, nothing happens until someone sells something. Mm -hmm. And so people who come into our organization, they understand that it's all about uh, putting smiles on people's faces, uh, being able to distribute a product that people gravitate to, that they repeat and continuously uh, buy our product. And our, we have a saying in our company, see candy, buy candy, eat candy. And, and that's what we want to do is put smiles on people's faces. And so sales is number one. We're, we're driving sales. So if I sold $10 worth of candy last year, 
you can bet uh, we're going to try to sell $12 candies this year. And so increasing sales is so important. And then at the same time, we want to pay the bills and we want to get on TV and we want to get on social media. And we want to certainly continue to put our brand out there, that cost. And when you take away all of the expenses and the innovation and all of the things that we're doing to continuously to be relevant, we've got to still be profitable. And so as long as we're bringing the profit in, then that's important. And then you can't forget about uh, expanding, and that is the share of market. And so from a business, it comes down to those three things. We're going to increase share. We're going to increase profit. We're going to increase uh, our, 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 our brands. We're going to do those things through people. And so people are the key. They're the link in the chain to make all of that happen. But before we can make all of that happen and be profitable and, and do all of those great things and increase our sales, we're going to have to train our people and we're going to have to educate our people. That's why in our business, it comes down to relationship selling and fact-based selling. And so you have to have great relationships with people. You've got to be able to get along and be able to connect with people and have an impact. But in having that relationship and impact experience, you've got to know what you're talking about. So you're going to have to know the product. You're going to have to know the company. You're going to have to know the other, the customer's product and their company. And you're going to have to be able to listen and be able to connect because at the end of the day, on the other side of the table, they're in it for the same reason, and we're in it, but how is it that we can partner up and that we can all benefit and contribute to society in such a way that people are uh, are proud to use our services or proud to buy our products? And so it goes hand in hand. Yeah. No, I love it. I'm narrowing down the few things that are most important to your core business and then figuring out <clears throat> how to get the right people in there and then how to educate those people in the best way possible. Um, so you're around a lot, a lot of young professionals, right? You go to career fairs, you have you hire young professionals. I'm intrigued as to what separates the young professional who goes on to excel in their career between the people who don't maybe quite as uh, excel as much in their career. Like what separates those two sorts question. of people? You know, Nick, it takes passion. You know, when you're passionate about something, you don't need an alarm clock to wake you up. You, you, you bounce out of bed. You have a plan. You have a vision. If you can see it, you can achieve it. If you have the right attitude, you can, you can accomplish it. And so the difference maker is where people identify what it is, the end game. So if I, have, if I was taking a trip from Atlanta to California, that's over 2,000 miles. That may be the end game where I want to get to. But along the journey, there's going to be stops along the way. And there's going to be experiences that I pick up along the way. But people who know where they're going, they have a mindset of taking the action first and then taking the timeouts to to identify where they're at along the journey, make any adjustments. It's like in a ball game. It's going back to a sports analogy in basketball. the The team is getting blown out of the out of the uh, the, the game. You know, the other team is is outscoring them. They're down by ten or fifteen. Well, what happens? The coach calls a timeout. They go into what we call a huddle, and they determine what it is that is the weak link. Why are they down? And they try to make adjustments. People who fail forward, they make the difference. People who fail backwards, they become paralyzed. They become immobile. They give up. They stop trying. But people that ever, that's ever made anything of themselves, 
that have ever been successful, they have failed forward and they have been able to identify and examine what caused the failing. And they've been able to make the adjustments and they have inside of their DNA is perseverance. They continue to strive and continue to learn and they continue to grow. And that's the difference maker. When you believe something and you have passion about something and you have the never, ever give up mindset, then you will make it. No matter if you're moving just one sixteenth of an inch each day, as long as you're moving forward. And that is the key is to continue to move forward and continue to hold on to the vision and make the adjustments as needed along the way. Mm. I love it. And I hear a lot there because I think it's, I think like almost the, probably the first step is having the passion because like the passion allows the vision to be a little bit more clear. And then once you have the vision, it's about really committing to making that vision happen because a, um, a quote that I, I think it's a quote from Zig Ziglar, but I'm, and I'm sure you know who Zig Ziglar is. Um, when you're, when you're committed, you'll find a way. If you're not committed, you'll find an excuse. Um, that sort of thing. Like when you have those stops, those challenges and stuff, if you're super committed on that vision, and you're passionate enough about it, then you're going to find a way around it and you're going to make it on the other side of it. That's- Absolutely. i like to share with you another quote here. Please do. Uh, you were born to win, but to be a winner, you must plan to win, prepare to win, and expect to win. That's the difference maker of a leader going from good to great. That's great. I love that. Um you're, you're big into leadership. leadership. I do, I do feel, feel like a lot, a lot of leaders, leaders do it a little, little bit differently. differently. I, think I think there are different leadership styles, whether it's sports and business or anything like that. But what do you feel like some of the most, if you had to pick like two common qualities that all, like every leader basically has, what would those couple qualities be across industry, across background, across whatever it is that the leader is a leader in? Well, I, you know, one that comes to mind, a leader, uh, a very good leader and a great leader, they understand that they don't have all the answers, but they also have a keen eye for talent. They have the ability to uh, look in the mirror and see the shortcomings that they have and identify those uh, candidates that they can bring upon on the team. They So they're in a place where they're not feeling like they have to be the leader that knows everything, but they're secure in their own skin in hiring the best talent to make everyone better. When you start uh, hiring folks that know less than you, your company's not going to go very far. But when you are able to identify people who are smarter than you in other areas and you're able to bring them together in one room, you will find that you'll go places. So that's so important right there. Uh, number two, that's so important is that that the the level of confidence, not arrogance, but confidence in knowing what it is that they want to accomplish, believing in what it is that they set out to do, and continuously inspiring the people to come along and be a part of the bus ride to success. I think I. I mean, confidence, of course, I love, but the first one I absolutely love because it's, it's not really a thing that you would necessarily first think come to your mind when you think of some great leaders, but like it's kind of being curious um, about what you don't, what you don't have yourself or the skills that you don't have and being able to find other people to fit the pieces to the puzzle. Because I feel like, 
you know, you mentioned how it, that's important when you're hiring people, but I feel like the first thing that came to my mind when you said that is the New England Patriots and like Tom Brady and Bill Belichick being super aware of just like the different pieces of their team that they know they don't have yet. And that they know they need to like their weak spots and they know they need to acquire people in those areas to be the best teams possible. And those are the two of the best leaders there are um, in football, but in anything. So I really love that, like kind of taking a step back in humility and realizing that you don't have all the answers. That's right. And, you know, leaders hire leaders. You go back, you're using the New England Patriots. If you go back and look at their draft, you'll find that they drafted players that were captains on their team. Uh, that uh, were folks that were go-to people on their team where people looked up to them. And, and, and then also you'll find that it wasn't always the shining penny that they went after, but they would go after people that had potential and they felt that they could train that person and develop that person even further. And another thing that I noticed with them is people that perhaps had given up on folks that uh, that that they've taken the chance with some of those people because those people had something to prove, and they wanted to show the teams that gave up on them that they made a mistake. So they are good at that too. So those are some common themes that I observed uh, just watching from the outside looking in. Yeah, no, I think that's really cool. That the I like the saying, "Leaders hire leaders." But you know, you have all these accolades you've uh, transformed. Uh, underperforming sales teams to um, to great overperforming sales teams, and you've done really well in your career. Um, you're do, do, doing more and more motivational speaking. All these things that you could be super proud of is what I'm getting at. Is there anything that you're most proud of that most people wouldn't necessarily think about? Well, I think the the end game has gone from me, me, me to we. W e uh, I'm most proud of taking that which I have learned and to continuously re- uh, be relevant in today's time and to pour into others. I get the biggest joy out of seeing the growth of others that I've had a opportunity to contribute uh, to make them a better person. And I enjoy that. And also what I plan to do as I continue on is to not grow so old where it's just us, us four and no more, uh, but to continue to meet people such as yourself and and fellowship with you and others and stay relevant in today's time. I never want to become outdated uh, or obsolete or status quo. I am a firm believer of continuously learning and growing, and we have uh, a generation is coming up that's far smarter from a technical perspective than we can imagine. And I want to stay uh, in it just like that. I was impressed uh, going to the Apple store and I uh, had something wrong with my iPhone and I signed in and uh, this senior citizen uh, who had retired, uh, she was the person who waited on me and she took my phone and she diagnosed what was wrong and she fixed it. And I asked her the question. I said, wow, this is wonderful. She says, yeah, you know, this is what I love to do. And she could have been content to stay home and do nothing or, or be with the grandkids if she had them. Uh, but I was inspired by that because what that showed me was that here was a person that learned uh, and then wanted to continue to learn and then take that learning and share it with others. So she was the oldest person uh, of that group of people that were helping folks, 
but she knew as much or more than everyone else that was coming in that in that store. So that was great. That's what I want to be, just like that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love pulling that lesson out of an everyday experience. I think that's really cool to see somebody who is who is that old, but because she's so passionate about it, yeah. she's willing yeah. to to continue to learn no matter what it takes. Um, back back to a little bit. You know, you do a lot of teaching on on sales and different business principles. And I'm sure afterwards you get a lot of questions from people that you speak to and a lot of questions from probably young professionals that you hire and in within your own company. Is there a question that people don't ask you that, that you that you wish they would after learning from you? Ooh. Now, when I think in terms of um, participating in a career fair, I wish they would uh, ask for uh, the, the interview because – what we want to hear from those people that approach us, we want to hear why me and why I would make a successful uh, employee. And then we want them to ask for the interview. So that is from that particular side. Uh, When I think about it from a personal side and helping and depositing into people, it's not so much what question I want them to ask, it's that I want them to actually take the things that they've learned and apply them and make the action steps that have been getting. What good is it to get some great, great information and, and, and don't utilize it? And so that is the main thing that I want to see. And I want follow up because, you know, one thing somebody tells you something and you let it simmer and you think about it and you receive it, you may have some follow-up questions or not even that. You may even have um, some additional feedback to make it even better. Right. Uh, and, and, and so that may have sparked you to continue to research and to get more information and then come back and share it. That, mm-hmm. That's what I would like to see. No, I love that because I so believe in the importance of being able to take something and then actually go apply it. Like anytime I listen to a podcast or like I watch a YouTube video on which I'm trying to learn, I'm always making sure that I'm trying to take notes of things that I can actually start applying in my life in the different areas in my life that I'm learning. So I'm I'm always really interested in like what holds people back from not applying certain lessons that they learn and not doing the things that they know they should do, but for whatever reason they're not. So what do you think holds people back from actually applying certain lessons that they learn? Ooh, you know, I think past failures, um, when people have failed, sometimes they may say, I won't do that again. I won't try that again. And they stop. Uh, or they, um, someone has talked them out of it. They, they may have said their, uh, their dream is unrealistic. They don't even try. Mm-hmm. So how do they overcome that? Well, you, you, you overcome for one, you, it starts with you. You got to believe it within yourself. And, and, and when someone like me comes along, I'm there to help you identify and to look within yourself. You have something that the world needs. You have something that you can share and don't sell yourself short. So there are people, I'm just one of many. And, and when you're able to see and hear and read uh, then you find yourself in that in that process. And that's what we want people to do. When you shut everything off, you're not going to find anything. If you don't look, you won't find. If you don't knock on the door, it's not going to open to you. And so people that are interested, we've got to provoke people, uh, challenge people in a positive way. 
And that's what we do as teachers. That's what we do as managers and coaches. We provoke our players, our students to go to the next level. And they realize that they can do more. You take someone who in baseball, you see uh, young coach, you see coaches working with young players on how to hit. They start off hitting on a, off a tee uh, and they build up confidence. Well, the, the first the person may not even wanted to get in the batter's box, but then the coach is there. You can do this. We're going to start simple and then we're going to graduate and take it up a notch. So it's about association. It's about being in places. You can't meet anybody. You can't grow if you don't go to the places or tune into the, uh, uh, the social media or to the television set or to the radio or the podcast. You've got to be open. And then something's going to click. And when that clicks, go after your A game. That's what it's all about. In baseball, the pitcher gets to the major league mainly on their fastball. That's the number one sign. All right, well, what is within you that's the number one thing that you do well? That comes pretty simple. And now it's just about getting with people who've been there, done that in that same field, and getting a chance to get in front of them, asking them questions so that you can narrow down the uh, mistakes and that you can get in front of people who know things that you like and you get involved in those things. And I wished I had learned that a little bit earlier on in my career. I got it a little bit later, but I understand it now. And so now I share the message. Let's find your A game. Everybody's got one. Let's, let's develop it. Yeah, well, so you just kind of touched on one thing. It was really good. A good transition transition into the next question. Is there a certain thing that that you wish you knew back, like one thing that you wish you knew back when you were starting off your career, or maybe a piece of advice that you would give yourself back when you were starting off your career that you didn't know at that time? I wish I had uh, more of an unction. What I mean by that is a, a, a drive for uh, what it is that I do and lived it and and became. A, a slave to my gift. And, mm. and, and you know, you think about, I go back to Tiger Woods. Okay, Tiger Woods, uh, they put a golf club in his hand and what's six, seven years old. And, and that be, he became a slave to his gift. And he played it and he practiced it and he played it and played it and he became one of the best of the best in the game. So when I think about my own, I wish I had gravitated to that which I know today and that would have become my every day. You look at all of the great athletes, all of the great people that have done anything. They got it early, and that became uh, what they did day in and day out. And uh, you're not going to become great until you spend the time and put in the, 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 the work and continuously discipline yourself to stay focused then you too can be good. I, I guarantee you, someone who can't even shoot a free throw, if you practice like Larry Bird did when he was coming up before he came into the pros, he would practice and shoot 500 free throws a day. Mm-hmm. And so it got him to the NBA, and, and when the game's on the line, nobody wants to foul him because he will make that free throw at least eight to ten, out of ten times. And so that's with life. That's what we do each and every day, what it is that we have to offer. If we serve ourselves in that day in and day out, then our gift will make way for us to benefit those that we encounter. 
and to make us profitable in what we do, whether it's financially or mentally or spiritually, we're going to be able to be that much better because we have sold out to that which we have been given and that becomes who we are. And that's what I want to do. And that's the way I'm going to finish up life is that I'm going to spend more time in knowing who I am, what I'm about and what I am to do and to leave in uh, this earth when I go on uh, to, to heaven someday. <laughs> that, that, that fires me up. That phrase, uh, be a slave to your gift. I think that's cool. So, and not to like dive to necessarily like deep into you, but I think it's really important because I feel like a lot of my listeners are my age. They're younger. They're starting off their career. Um, they, they're trying to figure out what they want to dive into. They're trying to figure out what their gift is. What do you think held you back from being a slave to your gift? Well, t- so many different options. I can go outside and play. I can go to a sports event. I can go to a concert. I think it's time now. Those people that we go to see to play basketball, those people we go to hear to sing, those those people, we must step back. They, these folks are getting paid. They're doing great. They're making millions of dollars. They put in the time. They put in the work. Now it's time for you. It's time for me to put in the work of what I have. Not so much to get paid, but the fact of the matter is, why don't we reverse this thinking that these people that succeeded, we too can succeed in that which we have been given. And that's what I want people to realize is that I admire uh, the folks when I go and and have my favorite uh, experience at a ball game and my favorite team, I want them to win. But one thing I've shied away from, and I'm not knocking people who wear jerseys to these games. But I, I when I see they put the, the, the other player's name on the back of their jersey, that's who they like, and they're excited about them. Sure, I respect all these great athletes, and I like them. But put your name on the jersey. You're somebody. What team are you going to be uh, captain of? What team are you going to succeed in? Who's going to come and see you? You have something that they want to see, they want to hear. And that's what I want to change it and get more people than is just a few teams out there and a few stars out there. There's a mass of people that are stars. And let's get busy and let's get to work and working on ourselves. That's awesome. Be your own hero, right? Yeah. Um, I, I think um, what, you, what you said earlier on in terms of having so many options, kind of what I, what I began to think of is that maybe you didn't have the willingness to sacrifice some of those options for just really channeling in on being a slave to your gift. Do you think that might be kind of a thing, the willingness to sacrifice other things for one particular thing? Yes, and to cut the TV off and cut the music off sometimes. You know, all the great pianists, they play the piano. Look, they got to practice, and they practice every day. And so that means that their favorite TV show they can't watch. Maybe they can uh, watch it later. But the point of the matter is, is that there's a discipline. That's the word, discipline. When you made up your mind to do something, to be something, to try something, then you've got to work at it. Because at first, you're going to fail. They're going to, you, you know, you're going to feel like giving up. But when you stop listening to yourself and start talking to yourself, there's a difference. It's like weightlifting. Your body is saying you don't have another rep in you. But when you talk to yourself, I got one more, one more, one more, or that workout partner saying, you got it, one more, then you're going to try. And so we need the discipline first, and we need that one more attitude 
that is going to make us better, make us stronger uh, and wiser. But when we give up too soon and never even try even further, then that, that cancels out everything that we, we do because woulda, coulda, and shoulda, that's going to be your anthem. But you're going to have to be in this winner's circle when you're able to look back and say, I would have and I could have, but I made it. And that's going to be the difference. Mm. Gotcha. Great. So we're down to the last two questions. I always ask the same last two questions with everybody. And the first one, I always throw out the age number. So uh, how old are you currently? How how old am I? Yes. Oh, my God. I'm a senior citizen. (laughs) I'm 61, soon to be 62. But I don't plan to act like a 61 or 62. So you certainly I don't look like it. In my mind. <laughs> you certainly don't look the age, um, that's for sure. Um, but, you know, we talked before, before how you, you have very specific goals for the end of the year. And then we've talked about the importance of, of uh, establishing your passion and then establishing your vision to be able to know that map to be able to take to make that vision come true. So I'm going to challenge you a little bit. Uh, Ten years down the road, you're going to be 71, almost 72. Yeah. Um what does 71-year-old Dr. Charles look like? What has he done? What has he accomplished? And what are you currently doing? Well, I can tell you what. I'm still going to be active. I'm still going to be encouraging people and inspiring people. I'm still going to be traveling the world, speaking to people all over the world. I'm still going to be able to make a difference in a positive way. My message is going to be very simple, positive leadership, transformational leadership, the renewing of your mind and reaching your full potential. I look forward to living into my 80s and perhaps my 90s, still being vibrant and full of energy and taking life experience, working hard, but at the same time, celebrating life, celebrating people and being a difference maker, a change agent, a person who is a repairer of the breaches in the world, the potholes of life, helping people see it's not over, it's not over, the best is yet to come. And so I'm excited. I'm looking to transition out of corporate America at some point, but all of the years and experience out of that, I'll never retire. I will continue to live and live life in a way that people will also be living the same lifestyle because it's going to be contagious. Well, if I can catch a cold from somebody, then you can catch my positive leadership and you too can be a motivator and a teacher at the same time. That's awesome. That's awesome. I love it. Um, well, before I ask the last question, I want to acknowledge you, Dr. Charles, because I think um, your willingness to to always be that consistent learner, that consistently wanting to educate yourself because you know that you don't have all the answers, right? You're willing to be curious about your flaws, about the things that you don't know, and you're willing to go learn those things, and you're willing to bring other people who have the knowledge, the skill sets, the positivity to allow you to heighten your game um, just through simply association. So I think that's really cool that you're super self-aware about that and you're willing to admit that you know that you don't have all the answers and you're willing to surround yourself um, with the people that are al- allow you to fill that gap. So that's really cool. Yes. Um, but before I ask the last question as well, uh, I know people are going to be yeah. <laughs> uh, energized and, and uh, have a new uh, heightened positivity after listening to this and they're probably super pumped up right now um, and what are gonna they're going to want to learn more about you and the different content that you put out so tell them a little bit about your podcast dr. Charles speaks and then the other stuff that you got going on right now that you're working on yes I do a weekly po- podcast 
it's the red line. And the red line is all about leadership and it's all about principles of leading and growing personally as an individual and making a difference in this life. And so I'm excited about that. Uh, I also speak in churches. I speak in schools. I speak in uh, communities. Uh, I speak all over the place where people are interested in my message and my positivity, but also in my teaching, because I think that's important. It's one thing to get motivated, but it's another thing to get taught something and make a change. And that's what I'm all about. I want to get you all pumped up. But at the same time, I want to see change in your life. I want to hear back from you. I want to hear a, a praising progress report that you're making in, in your life and in the life of others. I also mentor young men and uh, uh, get with them and also continue to uh, in, pour into them uh, about corporate America, about life in general. And so those are some things that I'm interested in and working in. I'm always looking for opportunities to speak to new audience, audiences and to share and uh, to all give them some insights and things about life as well as corporate America and as, as well as personal growth as well. Awesome. Awesome. And you can find those things at drcharlesred.com and then doc, drcharles.com. That's all you got to do with two Ds, drred, R-E-D-D.com. Perfect. Perfect. And do you hang on, on social media at all? I do. I am on face, Facebook, Instagram, uh, YouTube. Uh, I, I'm on those, those social media. So look for me, find me, join me. Uh, and uh, look forward to sharing with you anytime, any place. Awesome. So the last question I always ask everybody is, yeah, it's a lot of about what, about what we've already been talking about. I always phrase it that I think we're always on the constant journey of becoming the best version of ourselves. I don't think we're all at, ever at the best version of ourselves. Hopefully the, the day we go to see the Lord, you know, we're as close to the best version of ourselves that we could possibly be. And I also feel like it's a very unique journey. I feel that the way that I'm going to become the best version of myself is going to be very different than the way that you become the best version of yourself. So what I want to ask for you personally is if there are three things that you could currently do or three things that you could currently work on to become closer to the best version of yourself, what are those three things you could do or three things you could work on? The thing that I'm and I'm learning and continuously growing is continue uh, to read and develop uh, your skill set, continue to ask questions, continue to, um, you know, uh, there are people who are smarter, that have done that, been there, get in front of those people, ask the good questions, learn from them. This is what I'm continuously doing. I don't have all the answers and we don't have to reinvent the wheel. But people like myself come along and can take uh, a lot of stories and experiences and intertwine those with even some of my personal experiences. And it's just the delivery. It's the passion. It's the believability that it can be done uh, and it will be done. That confidence. These things are going to continue to make us all better. And so I, I like to like to say this, never stop learning, never stop growing, make yourself humble where you can always learn from everybody, but stretch yourself. I remember as a kid wanting to play and learn the game of basketball and I was playing with the bigger kids and they were blocking my shot. They were stopping me from scoring. They wouldn't even check me. They let me shoot wide open, but I realized that I learned from them and I, my game got better because I got tired of missing the basket and not being able to score on the bigger opponent. So I had to learn new moves. I had to become a little bit more 
uh, better at what I do. And then they started picking me to play with them and be on the team and be a contributor. So we can continue to make ourselves better and we'll find ourselves getting in uh, the game, so to speak. We'll come off of the wall and, and, and we'll be on the dance floor. We'll be active participants and we'll be able to bring people along with us. That's what I'm going to continue to do. Stay on the dance floor and continue to learn. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, I appreciate you, your time, Dr. Charles, and, uh, and everything. Hope you have a phenomenal rest of the day. That's all we got. Yes. Well, thank you. All right. Good deal. There you have it. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, share it with one friend or family member. Just take the link from the podcast or text them, hey, check this out, nickcarrier.com slash podcast, and it'll take them right to the episode. We want to spread this message. If you know someone who is looking to make an impact as a leader, someone who's looking to move up in their organization, or someone who wants to just increase their monthly sales, then send them this and add value into their life. Because the best thing that you can do is to help someone improve, learn, and grow. Also, go check out his podcast, Dr. Charles Speaks, at drcharlespeaks.com and drcharlesred.com. Remember, we need to get closer to defining what we're passionate about in order to help us create a vision for our lives and our career. Once we have a vision, we need to have the discipline to commit to the work it's going to take in order to get there. Surround yourself around positive people, ask them questions, and then believe in yourself and the uniqueness that you have to offer this world. Now it's time. It's time to go out and upgrade yourself today to get closer and closer to your best you. 